Hey, we're jumping into this talk called Reimagine Today, and we have a series verse. I'm going to read this, Philippians 1, 3 through 6 that we've been reading for the last five weeks, uh, and we'll focus on a little bit different element of it today as we reimagine together the role of our life in the church. Every time I think of you, it says in verse 3 there, Philippians 1, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul was a thinker, and he let them know in the Philippian church. He said, man, I think of you. Isn't it good to know that somebody's thinking about you? Not only that, he was a thinker and a thanker because he says, and I thank God for you. And how did he thank God for them? When he prayed for them. He was praying for them. And he was letting them know, I'm thinking about you, I'm thankful for you, and I'm praying with incredible amount of joy for you. When you know you have that behind you, it's just, there's something it does. I remember when I was graduating from high school, just a couple of years ago, you know, uh, when I was graduating from high school, and uh, I got gifts, and, I, you know, it's kind of like the going to college gifts, and you open them, and, and you really want money, but you get some other things, and I got an unexpected gift, and it was an, un, I call it my unappreciated gift at the time. I opened for my grandparents, and it was a wood little wood placard with a picture of, of Jesus and sheep behind him. And I was not a follower of Jesus at the time, so it really didn't have any significant meaning to me. And she wrote some things on the back in cursive, and, and I don't really read cursive. So I just kind of went, eh, and put it aside. I didn't throw it away. I put it aside. Fast forward three years, I'm 21 years old, and I make a decision to follow Jesus. And I was like, man, everything was new, everything seemed transformed, and I went home, and I remembered, hey, I think in a box I have a gift, right? I open up the box, I pull out that little plaque with Jesus on it, because I'm now a follower of Jesus, man, I'll pull out the Jesus plaque. And I pulled out the Jesus plaque, and I looked, turned it over on the back, and there was a handwritten note from my grandma that she would be praying for me. All of a sudden, that meant everything. It's good to know that you're being prayed for, right? And Paul loved these people so much. He was so thankful for these people. That he wanted them to know he's making requests all the time with joy for them. It's good to know. And it's, it's just one of those things that's like, wow, Lord, that you would have people praying for me. That probably is the reason and the only reason I'm still alive today. Because of the things I did in that season. Thank you, God. God's design was not for us to self-actualize ourselves into a relationship with Jesus. His design is that he would surround us with relationships, people, be it family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, 
classmates that would fan into flame a relationship with Jesus into our life. Like we're all a part of the story. And how powerful would it be for those around us to know that we're thinking about them? See, we're always on mission. And we've been using that word every once in a while. And we shared a couple of weeks ago what we mean by it, but I want to repeat. So I'll repeat. The mission of Jesus for us when we're saying that is the reality of his mission was to lead people into right relationship with God. Jesus came, uh, son of God, to save the world and to seek and save the lost specifically. On this side of Jesus' life, death, his resurrection, ascension into heaven, we know that like our mission now is to do what he did because he taught us to do what he did. So now our role is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. I mean, our as in all of us, all of our roles, if we're a follower of Jesus, is to do what Jesus did. He made the way for us to reconnect to God through faith in him. And God changes the lives of those who follow Jesus to be most fulfilled while we're on mission with him. So it's like, man, if I'm sharing Jesus, something in me is just going to be more alive than if I'm not sharing Jesus. Missional moments are those moments that are really unscripted, not manufactured, but the moments when we can help somebody in some way experience Jesus, where we're a reflection of Jesus' character, where we're serving someone, where we're loving on someone, when we're a part of life with others in a natural, unmanufactured way and make some go, there's something different, right? And maybe we're such a pure demonstration of Jesus that it almost demands an explanation. That's a missional moment. And so we might use those phrases every once in a while. I just wanted to repeat that. The, the scripture that open life is founded on is really the, the focal scripture, I guess, of today's talk in Reimagine. Uh, it's 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And I'm going to read it out of the NIV version. And it says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. In rediscovering Jesus' mission, you understand the importance of being connected to God and others in the, like, local church. As you connect with Jesus and others, your passion for his church uh, and why the church does what it does increases. And it realigns, I guess you could say, and you begin reimagining. It's just like every time we reconnect with Jesus, we begin dreaming again what Jesus could do through all of us and through us specifically in the lives of those we're close to. And so our big big idea today is reimagine what the church is is. And it's interesting because it's what we did eight years ago when we were praying, man, what should a church look like that we would start in 2010 here in Bonnie Lake? And, and it's like, man, help us imagine, God, what do you want us to do? And, and where did we go? We went to the Bible, right? And we started reading through the Bible and we just, we just said, if we were creating church and we tried to take off all the filters of what church is, which we didn't succeed in, but if you try to re- take off all the filters of what church is, what would we do today to help people know about Jesus? And, uh, and so we reimagined what the church is. Well, I want you to do the same thing today. 
just ask yourself, yeah, yeah, what is it? Like, what are some of the key things the church is, and, and what is my role in this thing called the church? Um, thought number one, the church is people. So your role is you are the church. You are the church. Right? You have church, which is a thing maybe you do on uh, Sunday, but you have the church, and, and you're the church is people. Go back to that same notion that we did when we started the church. If you just handed a Bible to somebody who's never read it and knows nothing about the church, and you had them read it from cover to cover, that'd be a real long read. That'd be tough to understand. But let's say they did it, and they get through the Bible, and then you ask them the question, what is church? I guarantee their answer would involve people. It would involve, like, serving people. It would involve loving people. It would involve helping people. It would involve, it would have, they would have no descriptor of a building with stained glass windows, the seats. Well, I guess you could have chairs, but really, you'd be a little closer to God if you had these long benches. Maybe we should call them pews. Uh, you know, I don't know if you could do projection. I think maybe transparencies is more holy. You know, it's just a, it's interesting. You wouldn't come up with any of these things. You wouldn't, you know, guarantee if, if after reading this, I think three songs and then somebody's going to come up and welcome everybody. You can't call it a sermon. You call it a talk. And then you have a video, right? None of that would come out of reading the Bible. That's all been like made up by us. The church is people. And they would walk away and they'd go, yeah, it's, man, people serving people, loving people. Never in Scripture does it say the church is a building, the church is a style, the church is this or that or that. or It's just, it's about people. And if we let that get into us, it starts to reshape our mindset on what our role is. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, like, so I'm the church, right? How many times do you invite someone? I've done this. I love it. You'll invite somebody and you'll say, hey, you should, you know what? You should come to Open Life with me. Um, we meet on Sundays at Bonnie Lake High School. And, and I'd love to, love to have you as a guest. And, oh, uh, I'm not a church person. That's just such an interesting answer to me. Because if the church is people, someone's basically in that moment saying, I don't like people. Because they think the church is a building or a gathering or a service, but really the church is, is people. And in no way, shape, or form is our desire to bring people to church so that we can create them into church people. We bring them into church because we just love people, right? And, uh, and if people could grasp that if they could catch that it would be transformational i think we're created to live in community with people we're not created to live in a void with no one around us or things will get darker and darker and darker so much research and articles this week came out on like the effect of smartphones on teenagers. I don't know if you've read any of those, but they were interesting. And, and it just talked about how their world is getting 
smaller and smaller because they can interact with each other so much on this device that they're able to stay home and still interact, but really their relationships have these walls and facades around them and, and all the research of how they're becoming lonelier and more depressed and mental health is in a crisis and all these things that smartphones is the fault of, they blame the article. I, I kind of agree and kind of don't. But the reality is we're doing things that make us not as people-oriented as we used to be. And so we're really going counterculture to try to reorient ourselves towards people and that's what God has called us to do, to be his church, to be about people. When we have the full heart of Jesus, people become what was written in that First Thessalonians passage. They become so dear to us. In fact, they become so dear to us that it almost messes with us how much we care about the community. And that's what Jesus will do with you. It'll be the, we love you so much, like 100% genuine love so much that we have to share the gospel of God in our lives as well. The church is people loving people and a growing relationship with Jesus. Ephesians 4 says some things about how the church should be, and it'll lead us into thought too here. Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all, in all, and loving, or, and living through all. So all, right? We got that part. All, one and all. Verse 7, however, he's given each one of us a specific gift, through the generosity of Christ. Verse 11 continues. Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That seems like a big deal, right? Like, what? Like, so I'm going to be, like, fully and completely like Jesus. That's, like, my goal. Wow. That's a high standard. Continuing, verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Thought two, the church is where you are equipped for the mission. The church is not the good news for the community. People are the good news for the community. If the church is people, then the church is good news for the community. But church 
is not the savior of the community. Let me, let me kind of pick it apart. It's, it is people sharing Jesus with their friends, families, neighbors, serving people, loving, being present in the life of people that is a blessing to the community. The organization or the service is not the thing that's going to transform the city. It's all of us that are going to transform a city. It's easy to think this this church building or organization or the staff or whatever will reach my city. But in actuality, what we're being taught in Ephesians is the team that comes together and prays about Sundays and creates this thing called a service is more concerned with equipping everyone to do the ministry we're called to do on mission out there. That's why we come together on a Sunday, is to thank God for what he's done through our lives and to be equipped and inspired to go do whatever he has for us to do in the lives of those he puts us in influence with. We come to be equipped. We come to be equipped and guided into being the heroes out in the community. Church, we we so often call the church, should be like Q is to James Bond, right? James Bond walks in. You're James Bond. And you walk in, and and we're like, oh, look at this cool tool we have. It's 1 Thessalonians (laughs) 2.8. It does some secret stuff. It'll help you not only share the gospel with people, but you can share your life as well. Use it wisely. You know, and, and you exit out. Is it, that's like, we're the cute, or maybe, maybe that's not your movie. Maybe uh, we're the, the Haymitch to Katniss, just a little more sober, right? If you, you're like, what movie is that? It's really old. Uh, so how about, let's go way back. Let's reach some others in the room. Mr. Miyagi to Karate Kid. Okay, how about you reality television fans in the room? This might relate. Uh, because we make some mistakes as the church in the way that we, like, share what we do, right? Um, Jeff Probst has never won Survivor. He's hosted 34 seasons of it, and he gives a million dollars away to 34 different people so far. But he's just the guy who asks how things are going and and, and challenges them and sometimes takes them off on a helicopter if they're evacuated off of Survivor. Well, how about, let's take another reality show that's done a ton of seasons. Phil Kogan on Amazing Race. 29 seasons they have done. 29 races. Phil's never won the Amazing Race either. He's just the guide. He's the encourager. And sometimes he's like challenging people to not give up and to keep going. We all need a guide in our life. We all need to be inspired and coached, and and we need to to have somebody tell us, you're not eliminated. Keep going. So you sinned. Get back up, because this is a non-elimination leg of the race. This life, you can be forgiven for what you've done. Don't give up. This is a non-elimination round. Accept Jesus. You're forgiven. Go out and live life to the full. I don't know about you, but that's, that's comforting to me 
to know I'm a participant in life. And I have potential to win. I love that. I get to be the hero. The church was never meant to be the hero. And sometimes we, we do a disservice. We make like a pastor the hero. We make uh, them famous, a rock star, if you will. And we, we build them up so much like they're what the church is. But no, the church is, is people. The church is people. And, and the role of those that are called the full-time ministry, the pastors, the teachers, whatever, is to equip you to be on mission, doing some crazy, awesome stuff for Jesus. Even it bothers me sometimes when I'm recognized in the community and they, you know, for all that you've done in the community, Thad, we give you this apple or whatever, and you, and you get it. It's awesome. I mean, it's incredible. And, but, you know, I'd love it if it said Open Life Church on it. But sometimes those things are because I was being Thad the Christian in the community, serving the community. I wasn't being Thad the pastor of Open Life. I was just being Thad a member of the community. And I can't wait to celebrate the things that we see you doing as the church in the community on mission with Jesus. Like, that's what we're called to do. Jesus never made church the hero of the story. He sent out his disciples to share the news of the kingdom of God and then taught them how to handle being the hero. Sometimes he corrected them. He's like, hey, guys, you're celebrating way too much about the win you just had. Um, let's give the glory to God and keep on going, right? So on Sundays, small groups, when people come together, we're equipped and we're prepared for the mission Jesus has for us on this amazing race called faith. Uh, pun intended right there. Okay, so moving on. Thought three, the church is a growing family. The church is a growing family. The church is often described as a family or, as we just read, a body, um, as a community of people. In all of these illustrations, there's this rhythm to life, how each interact with each other, right? Uh, you cannot live in a family by yourself. You um, you can't live in a community by yourself. If there's a community, there's more than one. You must be an equal contributor if you're in a family. That's what we keep telling our teenagers, at least. Anyway, uh, there's... Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, I just had something in my eye right there. Uh, but, you know, hey, pull your weight, do some chores, get involved. Those are your responsibilities. That's family. That's a healthy, functioning family. This is why God challenges us to care for the widows, the orphans. Why? Because if all of a sudden people are found without family, we're wired for family. So we need to embrace family. That's how we're wired. This is why, and I speak out of this experience from our past, this is why... It hurts so bad when a couple struggles to have children. It's painful. Well, why? Because we have been wired to have family. And when somebody struggles to have a child, our heart aches. 
and boy, we ache with them and pray with them. And it's why God answers our cry when we pray for kids. And sometimes that's we all of a sudden miraculously can have kids. Or other times it's like you're burdened to adopt or foster or become like family or extended family to people and invest extraordinarily into their world. I can't think of a more beautiful story of family than from the Ellis's group in Tahale. And, and none of them are here today, and I'm going to tell a story about them. But uh, the reality of, except for Peter, who, who helps with the group, shout out Peter. And so, uh, but the, they led a group, and the community happened. Like, beautiful community came together. And what I could see on the outside was Jeff Douglas and Vicki Kaminsky becoming like this extended grandparents to uh, Skylar Molnar a girl that was baptized the last baptism we did. And, and uh, they're not here today, but it's been cool to watch. Like, instead of going to kids' church, Skylar will come to sit with Vicky in service. It's just like family happened. Not, not real, actual, like, blood family, but like family. That's what the church is about. It's like becoming extended family to one another. It's, a, it's just this beautiful, like, family scenario. And it's been amazing to watch from a distance and just go, that's the goal of groups is that we love one another. Like, we can love one another like that, right? Grow in a relationship with Jesus and each other to such a unique and deep level that it's just, it grows. Acts 2.42 says it like this. In the early church, like the brand new first church after Jesus ascended into heaven, says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So these guys, like, daily hung out together and did life with one another. A word used in scripture is fellowship. That's what the church is meant to do. Your memories growing up are like, they're not just like doing chores or whatever goes on around the house. They're like camping. They're vacations. They're moments in the backyard. They're, uh, you know, things that happen that you, you have video of, that you would take video of, the songs somebody sang during a holiday or whatever. Uh, it's also the bad things, right? Like, I remember we went on a family vacation when it was just the twins yeah, to Kelowna, BC, and we were up there, and they had a community, their big community parade. It's everywhere in the community advertised, and we wait on the sidewalk for a long time for the parade to come by. And when it eventually came by, there was literally one car towing something, a political sign, and then people marching behind it. And the people marching behind it were the people that were sitting farther down the road. We were like, that was a parade? That was one car. I don't think you could call a car a parade, right? But they did, and it was hilarious. We'll never forget the parade. That was a family moment early in our family that, like, you can't forget. Sometimes the memories are like that. Or maybe the memories are like, hopefully we'll get to experience this again this coming February, but, you know, skipping school to go 
to the Seahawks parade because they won the Super Bowl. And you're down freezing in downtown Seattle for hours until the Seahawks come by on the duck boats. You know, it's like moments like you'll never forget them. Those are memories. That's what family does. They just make memories together. And it's the things we do growing together. Growing families get new memories. And the church is to be a growing family. It's not just what we do inside here at the dinner table. It's the things we do together out there. Those will make the memories. When we open the door for a stranger, when we serve on an event out in the community and it makes a difference in somebody's life. It's fun to take our kids out and just watch how they react to a negative scenario in public and see how we've really done parenting, right? Well, it's the same as a church. How have we done when we're out there on our job or on our commute or in our neighborhood? You can really tell. Do students enjoy school and make an investment in the kids that are sitting alone and make sure nobody is left behind? Or do they jump into the drama? You know, it's just that kind of a reality. We get to see how we're doing as a family. You can see how much you've progressed when you go out in community. Family grows when things don't go as planned and when they're present to solve it. Growth is a part of a body, a family, a community. So how are you doing at helping the family grow? That's one of the challenges we have to ask ourselves. Thought four, the church is known for how you love. And I have to pause here. Because yesterday and the day before bothered me and the Jesus within me. Um, we have to pause to just really denounce hate and racism. Specifically what was demonstrated in Charlottesville over the weekend. The only demonstration that will change the world is a demonstration of love for others. That's what we're talking about. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you the gospel in our lives as well because you became so dear to us. There's no hate in that. Hate is a horrible vision. 1 John 4.20 says, if someone, and this isn't in your notes or on the screen, but it says, if, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see. We need to fight against the racist culture that is in our country, is in our life. We all battle with it at some time or another. We catch ourselves. And we just have to come to grips with that's an ugly part of us we need to confess and give over to God. It doesn't matter what color someone is. It doesn't matter what accent someone has. It doesn't matter what orientation someone is. We are called to love everybody. So God, this isn't the end of the talk, but I'm going to pause. Because if you say, if we humble ourselves and come to you and pray for our land, you'll heal it. We come to you right now and we pray for our, our land. That you would remove the hate. That you would remove the prejudice. That you would remove the racism that has been a part of our story for way too long. Forgive us, God. 
Forgive those who try to lead through hatred. Help us to have your character. Help us to have your heart for people. And your heart is that none would perish, that all would come into relationship with you. So give us your same passion for people. Jesus' name. Thank you for that pause. We're called to love. We're supposed to be known for our love. So why is the church currently not known for its love? Stir on that one. Think to yourself, man, yeah, well, because of judgmentalism, religiosity. What is it? How can we get back to what Jesus taught us is that we're supposed to be Planted and rooted in love. John 13, again, not in your handout, 34 through 35, says this. Now I'm giving you a new command. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. How can we try to share Jesus without the proof? Love is the proof. When I was being coached, I had a coach to start Open Life. His name was Trinity Jordan. He had started some churches in Utah. And I I flew out there to to see what he was doing in this multi-site model of church that he did. And and showed up and was going around uh, his different campuses on that Sunday. And then we went out to lunch afterwards. And something amazing happened. Like the people in the restaurant knew them. It was a big group that went out to lunch and and all of a sudden he shares, oh, by the way, this is how we've reached most of the people in Utah that we've reached is just like doing life together over a meal in community. People see the life that's in us and it's, it draws them in and then they show up to church. I was like, that's really cool. He's like, because we just love the the people, we treat the waiters great, we treat the staff great, and it's just different than maybe the way they're treated by others. Like, that's an example of what the power of a culture of love and, and the full life that comes in relationship with Jesus can do. I think the church is still supposed to answer this challenge of being known for our love. And if we focus on making our teachers and preachers superstars, or our church name the star of the story of faith, that's not what Jesus said we would be known by. We might get off track there. But if we realize I personally am the church, and the church is going to be known, Jesus is going to be known, because I'm going to love people personally, I get back online. We're supposed to be known for our love. We're known for our generosity. That's awesome. We're known for the way we're impacting our community. That's incredible. But what should be most evident? The way we love people. Unconditionally. Everyone. We're designed to have our focus out and on people. Church was never intended to be a club or cozy or cater to our own desires. It was meant to be a growing family, serving the community's needs, humbling ourselves in a posture of love. Final thought today. The church is the heartbeat of the community. When I say the church, I didn't say church. I said the church is the heartbeat of the community. The heart pumps blood out, right? 
<laughs> if all is well. <laughs> if, if you're having heart troubles, things are not good, right? Because the, the blood is the life of the body, and without it, things aren't going to go the way they should. Things start shutting down. Consistent, pure, unobstructed flow is what is desired, or we begin to have trouble. Growing in every way more like Christ, who's the head of the body, the church, is important, is vital. Remember it said in verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own specific work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Not only are we commissioned to grow the church and, and grow uh, the amount of people following Jesus in our neighborhoods, work or families, we're challenged to be the very solid foundation within our community, within the arenas of influence. Some have said the seven arenas of influence in our community that we should be at the heart of as, a, as Christians should be, uh, we should be leading the way of how to be a solid family. We should be leading the way of, of encouraging education, government, business, arts and entertainment, religion, and media. Like those are the pillars of a community. Well, God is challenging us to be at the heart of community. Be influencing through love at the heart of community. What are we doing to be an in encouragement and at the core, the fabric of a vibrant, healthy community in each of the communities that we find ourselves? That's our mission. That's bringing the kingdom of God to earth. And that's why Jesus sent out his disciples and said, go do this. Tell them the kingdom of God is here. Man, where we go, we bring this kingdom of God with us. And it changes people's lives. So the challenge for us, the action point today, is to be the church. Right? Individually. As a family. As, as individuals going out, we're supposed to be the church. So how does that look for you? Well, maybe today you're just realizing, I'm the church. And I've maybe been putting too much weight on this organization called church. Or maybe to you, you, you need to realize, oh, I, I, maybe I need to change my posture when I walk through the door on a, on a Sunday and I need to come ready to learn, ready to be equipped for the work that's at hand. Because God never told us to come and be fed. God challenged us to feed ourselves daily on the word prayer and to come together as a body to build one another up so we could do the mission at hand maybe the challenge is to grow the family for you you're realizing yeah what am i doing to to because healthy families are gonna grow it's gonna grow i need to i need to help grow the family invite a neighbor maybe it's going to be actively loving you can think of the people you've been actively not loving and you're realizing shoot <laughs> I guess I might have been put here intentionally and I'm challenged to love or finally maybe today you realize you're supposed to step out and do that thing you feel like the Holy Spirit's been nudging you to accomplish to become the heartbeat of the community 
I'm going to pray for all of us. And I just think that responsibility we carry with us to be the church is a, a beautiful thing. God is smiling down on us today that we showed up and, and can just grasp that again and realize, man, I am on mission 24-7 as the church in the community. So God, I thank you for everyone who's able to make it today. And I pray that, God, you would help us grasp these things in your word, that, that you call us the church, that we get to come and be equipped. We get to dive into your word together and celebrate what you've done and worship you and declare things that are true in song, but then we are sent out to make a difference to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to classmates. As we look to school starting soon, God, we're able to, to serve our community and do things in love, whether it's give school supplies to people or whether it's um, help serve a neighbor. God, help us to see how we can actively love as we're living our lives on a daily basis. And God, just help us step into places of responsibility that will allow us to continue to be the heartbeat of our communities. Open up those doors of favor that we can enter into them and be influencers for your glory within our community, helping it grow. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.